Private Lender Podcast, episode 99. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Archilochus, who said, We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello and greetings, everyone, from the energy capital of the world, and welcome to episode number 99 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today. The Private Lender Podcast is the only podcast dedicated to teaching everyday people just like you and me how to participate in the most passive form of real estate investing known to mankind, and that is private mortgage investing, while giving tips and advice on how to keep their money safe. Look, it's just as simple. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on being a successful private lender, on how to create wealth without banks or Wall Street, then you're in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes and my screw-ups so that you avoid them and therefore shorten your own learning curve, well, then pull up a chair, my friend, and might as well go ahead and pour yourself a a stiff drink or two, because the Private Lender Podcast is made just for you. Oh, and before I go any further, uh, Squirrel. I want to invite everyone listening to join me Monday, April 6th at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for Ask a Private Lender on Facebook Live. I will go live for, I'm planning for hopefully for 30 minutes minimum, to go live and answer any questions you may have regarding private lending, both from the lender's perspective and for the borrower's benefit. So I'm hoping everyone will find it helpful whether they want to lend or they want to borrow. We're going to try to make Ask a Private Lender the place that gives the, you know, the straight scoop. So please connect with me during the Monday, 8.30 p.m. Central Time for Ask a Private Lender. And please let other investors know that I will be going live and they can ask me anything they want about private lending. And I hope to see you guys on Ask a Private Lender Facebook Live. So in episode 98, that's the last one that I had published, went live. I was uh, in the great country of Scotland along the, the River Spey. Oh, oh, you hear that? And yeah, that is the actual river spay. I took my iPhone out and I recorded the sound of the water. So I'm either one, completely off my rocker, or two, an insane scotch alcoholic, or three, all the above. I'm getting high tech and fancy. All right. Yeah. Anyhow, so when the last one dropped, yeah, I was canceling. I had planned to go to the McAllen and the Glenlivet distilleries. And that's kind of my, my thing when I get over there. Unfortunately, as I said, the conference was canceled, so I had to go back to London. And But I found myself like literally 36 hours later on a plane flying back home to, to Houston with five days of unscheduled vacation ahead of me, which was, which was great. Really wasn't all that jet lag, but it allowed me to accomplish a few nagging chores around the house and get a billable hour or two here and there. After that full weekend, all hell broke loose. And all of a sudden, I couldn't find a store to find any toilet paper in it, uh, or at least long enough to stay on the shelf long enough for me to buy it. Uh, so I, I seriously asked them, it's been four weeks now, or almost four weeks, three weeks, but four weeks since I came home. And I don't know where the, the last month has gone. It's a complete blur. And I haven't felt like I've been able to produce any content that, that seemed worthwhile. I mean, I've tried, but it just seems like it's crap. And there's like there's a lot of noise on the interwebs right now. And I really want to make sure that my content is, is relevant and has some value 
or some has value to to private lenders and, and not just be a soapbox, you know, so that other can preach to the choir. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and get into today's topic, episode 99, how to lend in preparation of price fluctuation when the world goes to hell in a handbasket, a.k.a what your lending criteria should be moving forward. Like, like many of you, I've been watching a lot more CNBC and Bloomberg than usual, probably more than I would like to admit. Uh, and yeah, you know, I've, I've made a few moves into the market. I, I like to see stuff like that. It's, you know, look, uh, when, when stuff drops like this, that's where uh, fortunes can be made. And honestly, I'm trying to figure out how much money do I want to take out of the old 401k and put into real estate and how much I want to c- continue playing with in the market. How long, you know, I don't know how long this, this is going to last, how long these whipsaws are going to happen. So basically, I want to talk about three things that have got my mind. Or I'm wrap, trying to wrap my head around with this whole coronavirus and where we're going. So the first thing is I, I do think we're coming into some type of, I don't know if it's the, the, the recession. I think it's just probably a safe bet. I think we'll bounce out of this a bit, but maybe we don't own a whole lot. I don't know. But there are three things that I'm mulling over in my head. Number one is that during a, a mastermind several years ago, the our next week's guest, episode 100's guest, he eerily predicted that the next economic recession would come out of China. But he predicted that it would be in February of 2018, and there was no biological component that, that I'm aware of. He simply thought it would be a financial recession that would be triggered by the Chinese economy. Now, if this turns out to be the Kickstarter of a world recession, then how interesting is that? Uh, that's why I put in the qualifying word eerily. It is a bit eerie if it comes out to be true, but that yet is yet to be seen. So, but that's the thing. That's kind of one thing that's kind of irking me a little bit. And I didn't. And I recorded uh, next week's episode so long ago that we didn't even mention it about the the world recession or the coronavirus or you know anything like the current situation that we're in. So, moving on to number two, doing a little research. The Great Recession back in two thousand eight to twelve was caused by the real estate and mortgage bubbles or bubble. Uh, I, I don't see real estate being the pied piper this time around. It most likely will be affected, but will it be affected as much as last time? Who knows? But you know, given the situation that, or given the, the circumstances going into 08 and going into 2020, they are a bit different. I think there will be some similarities, but I'm hoping that the price drops and the fluctuations don't go as deep as they did 10 years ago. So we'll, we'll see. And three, from me, uh, from my position here in Houston, oil price and the oil war, price war really has my attention right now for several reasons. One, I, I derive my, my steady paycheck, my W-2, so to speak, through the oil field insurance industry. But I'm also in Houston. And I specifically remember the 1980s when oil went to complete there were brand new strip shopping malls that sat vacant for years, months and years with leasing agent phone numbers in the windows and four lease signs. And Houston's economy is not as dependent upon oil and gas as it was in the 80s, but it is still a major and significant influence. I mean, every upstream news source that I follow and I've read in the last month does not have any positive forecast or news for the upstream industry, you know, the EMP, exploration and production, whether that be onshore or offshore. But nonetheless, that's the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas. So when oil goes to crap, we're going we're gonna to feel it. How bad? I don't know. I'm not saying this is going to be the 80s by a long shot, but we're going to feel it. The layoffs are coming. Coronavirus came at a, a crappy time. So this may upset the Houston market a little more than, say, other markets in the, in the country uh, that are, aren't so dependent upon oil and gas and the petrochemical industry. And if you're in another area, you know, find out uh, what sensitivities to uh, industries that your, your area has. I just go into the oil and gas because, I mean, look, th- there's a really good reason why the west side of uh, Interstate 10 in Houston is called the Energy Corridor. So <laughs> anyway, what does all this mean for you and your lending criteria or for me? 
Well, if I'm making loans, I can tell you this: my my personal criteria just got a little tighter. And I haven't, I'm not even talking about points or anything like that on a flip. I'm talking about simple LTV, ARV, what I'm willing to go to. And I'm right now I'm at the 45 to 50% of the current ARV. That's all in 45 to 50%. That's purchase, rehab, the whole shebang. This way I have a lot of room for error going in if we experience short term price drops. And I have to unfortunately foreclose on the property at an inopportune time. I'd like to run through an example, kind of give you guys. An illustration, a look into the method of my madness. And I, I guess I do say madness with uh, the pun fully intended because such uh, the tightening of these lending criteria will no doubt anger borrowers as it'll force them to either A, negotiate, find or negotiate deals with larger margins. And look, it's getting tight now. Yeah, everyone, Everyone's wanting to get into the real estate game. ALTVs are, are going up, wholesalers, it's not, they're, they're not deals to me. It's still a functioning sub-economy, but it's just not deals. So that brings, that forces either they can go to get hard money, which is suited for this kind of risk, or they can bring it a deal that's a true deal to me. And it has lots of room for error, for their error and mine. Or B, this requires that borrower to put more of their own skin in the game, which just further... Buffets or buffers your security there because if that borrower, the more that borrower has to lose, the harder they're going to fight to make that project a success and to return your funds to you. So let's take an example. And for simple math, we're going to use a home, a property that is has an after repaired value ARV of $100,000, and that is retail MLS ARV. That means it's got all the bells and whistles, it's been updated, it's got the right colors in it, and all that, you know, neutral stuff, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I'm talking about a the listing agent gets very happy to see a house like that because it'll move quickly at $100,000 because it's good. It's nice. Okay. So if you're talking about putting money on a rental, you know me, that, that 100000 is not true ARV. I like to come down to maybe 90, maybe 85. It just depends because let's face it, landlords do not maintain houses. They may, a lot of them maintain the bare minimum. Let me just say that. And look, I can say that because I was a I slumlorded it a little bit or tried. I tried. Anyway, the point being is I spent as little money on the house as possible so that it would cash flow. Hence, I assume everyone else, everyone else who's going to be a landlord is going to do the same thing. So why buy someone else's headache? Lower, so if it's a rental cash flow property, it's not 100,000, true 100,000 ARV, unless it you look at the comps and say, yep, that is A to A, apples to apples, boom, dollars to donuts. That's good. But nonetheless... My little caveat, let me let me get back to my example. And if you go to privatelenderpodcast.com, the show notes, there will be a, an Excel sh- spreadsheet, the bad loan mate- matrix uh, that I have created from you after uh, all my years and the be dealing with other people's safety and insurance. I've, I've found a, a few matrices to be helpful. And so I've provided one here for you. And I, since you can't see it, I'm going to tell you about it. Basically, it's 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 a it's a matrix of a hundred thousand dollar loan, and then on the left side there's a the LTV. So at eighty percent down next to that would be the corresponding loan amount. So for example, eighty percent LTV would be eighty thousand. Fifty percent LTV would be fifty thousand dollar loan on a hundred thousand dollar property. Across the top, I start with ninety five or five percent market hit, ten percent. So the value of the the house, let's say the sales price, if I get in a pinch, I have to foreclose, and I want to get my money back soon. So the values are ninety five thousand. 90,000, 85,000, 80, and then 75,000, which represents a 25% loss in the market. Now, again, this doesn't 
really mean anything if you don't have to sell the house and you can hold on to it and it cash flows for a while. This is, I'm saying, this is how I look at underwriting a loan in case I, in case I need to, to bail out quickly. So on a normal, let's say, look, look at this, like 70% LTV, right? That's kind of the max most people will go. Well, in this example, a 5% hit brings you already up to 74% LTV value, right? If that same price drops to 90,000 or takes a 10%, now you're at 78%. A 15 market, 15% market shift downwards, price fluctuation downwards, puts you at 82%. And God forbid, if it hit 25%, you are now at 93%. So if you had to sell the house at 75000 you are now at 93% LTV. There's no room for you. There's no room for closing costs, and there's, or there's, there's very little room for closing costs, and that's really about only room for realtor fees, and that's on a 70%. Now, if you increase your criteria, your lending criteria, you, you lower your LTV by tightening up, and let's say you get to that, 50, that magic 50%. That's a good number, and then you'll see on the matrix, that's where the green starts, uh, the dark green. Uh, the light green's in the 60s, but the dark green, that's where I like, that's kind of the nice part. So obviously, you can go all the way. If this thing drops 25% and you had to sell it, you're still at 67% LTV at 50%. At, if you did 50% going into it, you had to sell the house at 75,000, 25% loss, you still got plenty of room to make, get your money back and to cover the expenses. Now, if you're really good and you do the 40% LTV, if you can find those deals, and they do come around, not very often, about as, about as often as a blue moon. But even if you dropped a 25%, so the house went from 100000 to $75,000, if you loaned on it at 40% LTV, you would still be at 53%, well in the green and in a pretty good, comfortable position if you had to go foreclose and get that, that money back. Now, when it comes to looking at this matrix and, matrix and, and looking into how I'm going to lend on a particular deal. I like to take a two-pronged approach. I like to look at macro data and I like to look at micro data. When it comes to the macro, the first I like to use is the good old Case-Shiller Index, which is curated by the Standard and Poor's company. And it not only tracks kind of overall, gives you a view of the overall national average, but it specifically indexes the following 20 markets in the United States, Phoenix area, greater Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Denver, Washington, D.C. area, Southern Florida, so Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale, et cetera, Tampa Bay area, the Atlanta metropolitan area, Chicago, Boston, Detroit, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Charlotte, North South Carolina area, Las Vegas metropolitan area, New York, greater Cleveland, Portland metropolitan area, and in our backyard, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I always think this is a great place to start because it also gives you the this, this national angle. And in the show notes, there'll I'll have an article in PDF from 2009 where the, the index posted 2018 and 24% price drops in certain markets and where it had declined 27 months in a row. So when you go into thinking, you know, I'm going to make this loan, this might not be the best time for you to do it. If you're going to need that money within, especially if you need that money within the next you know few years, these are factors that could play into it. And the, the Case-Shiller Index is a, just a great, nice kind of round number that I like to look at when I start off. That, you know, when I, that is when I start off underwriting alone. Now for the micro data, or if you know if you don't live or invest anywhere near the cities I just previously mentioned, and plus the, the best thing to do is just go to your local MLS website, a multiple listing service, and find you know, what's trending in your market. In the Houston area, it's har.com. I believe it stands for Houston area realtors.com. Or simply Google what happened to the house prices in the, in your market in the, the last downturn in the, in the Great Recession or look for historical data. A lot of local newspapers will keep that kind of stuff. You may have to do a little research, but this will give you an idea of what you know, the last three cycles, what 
what caused them, what were their influences, and how bad were they? Gives you kind of an idea here. You know, we've never seen a pandemic before. We haven't. Humankind has, but we haven't seen it. So this generation, I mean. So anyway, uh, I'm kind of going off another tangent there, but that's your MLS is the best place to, to keep it local, right? So MLS will take into account, no doubt, the oil and gas markets and, and commodities and whatnot that affect Houston. Now, other markets that you may live in, maybe it's a university, maybe it's a agriculture or a some cases in Texas, the prison system or, you know, whatever. Maybe it is government contracting. Who knows? But your local MLS will take in, just by default, take in those factors into account on a, on a local basis. But what am, if someone said, what am I looking at? Well, I'm preparing for a 25% drop in housing prices in Houston. That's as I'm looking at loans right now. Now, I haven't done a whole lot of loans. I'm working on get, having some come, come get paid off so I can go put them into other places. I recently committed to a commercial syndication that I wanted to put some money in. So the private loans on the properties, primary residence, sorry, single family residence, are, some of them are coming due. Some of them are getting renewed. I just renewed one with Landon uh, last week, my partner Landon. So playing with, with all of that, but trying to uh, find out, all right, on the loans going forward, it, it, when I renew them, where do they fall from an LTV standpoint? Now, most of those loans that I have out now aren't for flips or rentals. These are owner finance deals, uh, and also trying to accumulate a little cash so that when uh, shit hits the fan, there will be money for flips and, and, and doing all that stuff. But anyway, I'm look at that matrix I put on the privatelenderpodcast.com show notes because that's what I'm looking for is or I, I'm building in a, a 25% drop. I hope it doesn't go that much, but at least when I'm looking at my loans, I'm stress testing that 25% drop. You know, and who knows what's going to happen with this coronavirus? You know, maybe everything I said just gets you know gets turned upside down in a week or a month or two. I mean, shit. I hope not. But anyhow, I think I've been rambling on for long enough. That's going to do it for this episode ninety nine. I hope you found value in today's episode. And if you did, even just a little, please help me out and and spread the word, increase awareness for the show by leaving an honest rating and review over at iTunes. Google Podcast, or wherever uh, you're hearing my voice, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, that is the best way you can help contribute to uh, this show. Your review helps uh, not only feed my ego, but it helps uh, other people find the show. And if you're trying to develop your own private lenders for your own deals, then by all means, please share this and and drop me a line. Uh, let's say, hey, I'm, you know, send it to so and so. He's I'm trying to you know cure it, make him into a private lender, her into a, one of my private lenders. I'd love to get into the conversation, see what kind of investing you do and what your private lender may or may not be expecting. I'd, I'd love to help out any way that I can, especially now that I'm on day whatever of the self-isolation or quarantine and we're all having um, such, a, such a lovely time. But anyway, pass the word. Please remember this Monday evening, 8.30 Central Standard Time, April 6, 2020, Ask a Private Lender on Facebook Live. Go to theprivatelenderpodcast.com for more information and to connect with me uh, also on social media. Look, I really hope everyone stays healthy and gets through this this, this crazy time. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all in it together, right? So besides self-awareness, I wish everyone out there safe and prosperous. Private lending. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.